So revival. If you were here last night, there's going to be one or two things that we repeat just for the sake of our brothers and sisters so they can be on the same page with us. But when we think of revival, I would say that you would equate it with something like this, a defibrillator. Revival, perhaps, is God's way of jump-starting your spiritual life. Now, do these things keep people alive, or do they just kind of give you the little extra electricity that gets your heart going? I'm not a doctor, so for those of you who are, if I say it wrong, sorry. But do these things give you life all the time, or is it just a little jump start or a big jump start? Revival is the same way. See, revival isn't just something we can come to church on a weekend and hope that it carries us till the next week or the next month. Revival is just a thing that reminds us that without Christ, life will be empty. Revival is what we do when we come together because we just want to be in the presence of Christ. It's a defibrillator. It's a thing that jumps you back into what God wants for you. The word revival simply comes from the word that means to live again. It's resuscitation, it's reviving, it's revival. It's what God does when he infuses it, his breath, his spirit into each of us. So if you have your Bibles, and if not, it just you can follow along with us. I want to read from the verse 1 of Ezekiel 37. We're going to spend two seconds on this before we move on. And it says, the hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? It's a weird picture. It's a valley full of dry bones, and God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? So there's two things that I want to draw your attention to. He takes them out to a valley. A valley is just the place where people were. A valley was just like a city. God takes Ezekiel to the place where people are. So to make it more practical for us, the valley is everywhere that you are. The valley is your work. It's your home. It's your church. It's your friends. All the Bible writer really means is that the valley is everywhere where life is, but in this particular place, everything was dry. Something was missing. Oh, no. And then he says that it was full of bones, and the bones were very dry. And the metaphor for the bones here is the bones are representative or symbolic of people. So God takes Ezekiel to a place where people are, and these people, there's something missing in them. These bones are dry. There is something missing. And I would argue that the reason these bones are dry is because they are missing out on a relationship with Christ. The reason we get dry is because we stop coming to the source that gives life. Another way of saying it is if you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's why you're always feeling dry. It's why you're always feeling like there's something missing. Without a relationship with Christ, without allowing God to just breathe into you daily, you will always feel like there's something missing, and it will be like a withering flower. 
A flower needs water, and it needs it pretty constantly in order for it to grow and thrive and be beautiful. But the thing with us, the weird thing about us humans is that when we do get dry, we tend to go to the things that are going to satisfy us the fastest. So we try to do things and we try to attach ourselves to things and we try to be a part of things that are going to make us feel better. So some of you, I know, when things are going bad, you like to go and shop, right? Some of us. When things are going bad, some of us like to eat and eat and eat. So we call emotional eaters. For some of us, when things are going bad, we like to sit in front of the television and just spend hours there because at least it's mind-numbing. For some of us, when things are going bad, maybe we turn to sex. Maybe some of us turn to drugs. Maybe some of us turn to sports, playing or watching. Maybe some of us turn to NASCAR. I don't know. But we turn to things that are going to make us feel better right away because we hate feeling this dryness. And these things, they sometimes help. These things that we turn to, sometimes they feel good for a moment, but that feeling goes away. I know it does, and you can't argue with me on that one. And, but what we're actually doing, it's like trying to water our dryness with Coca-Cola. Eventually, the flower will die. So what we talked about last night is that sometimes we take good things like Coke Coca-Cola, and we try to water the plants with it. Now, Coke is good, but it's not great because it won't keep anything alive. So I have an illustration, and I didn't check with him, but too bad. My nine-year-old son, our nine-year-old son, comes to me all the time. This is drink of choice. No, not the water, the Sprite. And he says, sorry, Gavin, I'm thirsty have some Sprite. To which I always say, if you're thirsty, Sprite's not going to take it away. If you're thirsty, the Sprite, it's going to feel good in your mouth, and you're going to be like, oh, I'm so refreshed. You're going to reach for that Sprite again because you're still thirsty. And I said, so if you're thirsty, drink water because Sprite won't take your thirst away. And he goes, for me it will. (laughs) He substitutes something good for something that's actually great. So I have a couple of examples for you. It's like driving a Yaris when you really could drive a Porsche. It's like getting a C in school when you should be getting an A. It's like drinking coffee from McDonald's when you could have coffee from Starbucks. It's like the dolphins choosing Chad Henning when they could have Peyton Manning, possibly. No-brainer. It's like choosing a PC over a Mac. Yeah, you could say it. It's for fun. It's like I told the church last night, if we can't have fun at church, there's something wrong. Church should be the place where we come and enjoy and celebrate, almost like a party. When Jesus talks about what eternity will be like, he uses the images of banquet and feast. So I think God is okay with having a good time when we come to church. Amen? It's like choosing the Clippers over the Lakers, even this year. And something closer to home, it's like choosing the Dodgers over the Angels. The Dodgers are good, 
but the angels are great. Especially with Albert Pujols. Pujols. You kind of get what I'm trying to get at. Sometimes in our lives, we turn to things that are good when we really could be doing something that is great. We settle for what is good because we think good is good enough, but the reality is is that God doesn't want you and I to settle for just good. God wants what is great and best for us. And sometimes our bones get dry and we get dry because we substitute good when we could have great. And I would, I would say it like this, and this is with all jokes aside, it's like trying to earn your salvation when Christ has already given it to you for free. Doing good things is good. Accepting the gift of free salvation from God is great. Because God has given that to us for free. And so the story continues, and it says, Then he said to me, prophesy, this is part two now, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as he had commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise rattling, and bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. So they look like humans. It's the image that we had up there, right, with the people, the black silhouettes, right, against a white screen. So they look like people, but they're really, are they? So when we come to the valley of the dry bones and this very pivotal moment in the story, the bones come together, there's flesh, there's ligaments, there's sinews, everything is there, and these people look like humans. But do you know the difference between exist, existing and actually being alive? This is all metaphor, Existing is when you wake up in the morning and you wish you didn't have to go to work or go to school. Existing is when you go through the motions of the things you're supposed to do, but you'd rather not or you'd rather just be in bed. Existing happens because we lack the breath of God. Existence is when we allow all the other things to take up all of our time and we make no room for Christ. Merely existing, you look alive, you're going to all the places you're supposed to go to, but you're missing something. That's why we have this weekend revival, because we want to challenge you and we want to encourage you and we want to call you and invite you to rekindle that relationship with Christ. Some of you are like, I know exactly what you mean, and I, and I have to get back on it. Others of you are saying, it's all, oh, man, my relationship with Christ is the best it's ever been, and we're thankful for that. And still others of you are just, I don't, I've never had one, and I don't even know what that looks like. That's why we're here. We want to help you along the way. And one of the things that we're going to be doing for those of you who, who whether your spiritual life is at its apex or those whose spiritual life is at the bottom, what the church is doing is that we are creating space for you. 
to be able to take your relationship with Christ to the next level. And if it's already at the highest, it'll go even higher. What we are doing in the church beginning not this week but next week, you've seen it in the bulletin and in the weekly news, newsletter, and, and if not, you're going to hear about it now. What we're doing is we are creating space for you to grow in Christ and grow with each other. We're calling these things small groups. You've heard the name before. But there are going to be six of them. We're not doing this just so that we can feel like we're an active church. We're not starting small groups just because we want to be cool or because we think this is going to help our church grow. No, we're doing small groups because Jesus had a small group when he was on earth. It was 12 men. We're doing small groups because we believe that when you connect with other Christian brothers and sisters, your relationship to Christ grows because in 1 John it says, if people love each other, Christ is manifested there. You want to see Jesus, you enter into relationship with people. You see, church is awesome, but it lacks that ability for us to spend intentional time with each other. Because guess what? For the last 15 minutes, you've just been hearing me speak, and I haven't allowed you to speak church is not the place for us to connect and grow because we don't have that time. Church is where we come and empty ourselves of what God has done for us. Church is what we do when we sing and we pray. That's why we sing so much because I think God loves singing. Because in the book of Revelation, there's over 20 hymns. The people that are closest to Christ, or rather the beings, the angels, are constantly singing to God because God is worthy of all praise, which is why we sing so much. Because we want to be a part of what other angelic beings are doing to praise God. That's why we sing. We preach because we want to get connected to what God is trying to show us and teach us. How God is trying to transform us. But we've created these small groups so that you can then continue to grow with each other as the body of Christ. And in the process, we also get to study Scripture. And there are sign-ups in the back for that, and I can't stress enough how important it is. And if the sign-ups fill up, we'll make more groups because it's important to us that you are plugged in. Sometimes we get dry because we put God to the side, because we try to find life in other things and more immediate things, but those immediate things don't give us life because those gods are dead. And a God that is dead cannot breathe life into you. So the next time you're feeling down and sad and depressed and you're, 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 it's programmed into you already to go and do that thing that's going to make you feel better, stop and just pray. God, breathe life into me. And if you still want to go do that thing, great, do it. But now you've, now you've prayed, God, breathe life into me because I am dry. And it changes things. Sometimes you won't even want to pray. Pray. Recently, and I told this story last night kind of, recently I was dry. I was done. I was out. I was like, I, you know, a lot of stuff. And so I get to the gym and I'm sitting there. And I, I just bow my head to say that prayer. And all I can pray is, God, I can't today. Because sometimes we get so dry because of all the other things. And yes, it happens for pastors too. In case you didn't know, we have jobs too. I come to church almost every day. (laughs) What do pastors do all week? We put out fires. That's what we do. Stuff you guys don't see. 
And sometimes that gets in the way of Christ for me. And what ends up happening is I experience the same thing you experience, the dryness. But in the silence of opening up to Christ, God will never disappoint you. God will not disappoint you because God is love, and by God's very nature, he will help. So before you go to those other things, pray, God, pour your spirit into me. God would say it this way, seek God and live. To the Israelites who are going after other gods, who are trying to be like everybody else, to the Israelites who are trying to satisfy their immediate needs, God says, seek God and live. Seek God and live. And then God says, but do not seek Bethel. Do not go into Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Now, you don't know any of those places, do you? doesn't matter what place. You can put any place, New York, Chicago, television, sex, drugs, rock and roll, shopping, eating. Substitute any of those for that. Because what God is really saying is don't go to those things because, look, look what's going to happen. They will go into exile. They will die. Bethel will come to nothing. Those things are nothing. Don't go after that because those gods are dead, and a dead God cannot breathe life into you. Seek God and live. Don't go after all those other things. And second of all, don't let the worries of this world crowd your happiness and your joy because those things are always going to be around. Just, hey, you know, whatever. Man, this hard thing happened. Ah, it hurts, but that will not steal my joy. Man, this thing came out of nowhere, and now you have to pay all this money because you didn't know it was coming? Was cover. I'm going to steal my joy. My kids, no, I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> I'm learning this, too. And every once in a while, when I write a sermon, it begins to shape and, t- and change me as well. And so I'm in that process. Jesus says, the thief or these other gods, or these other immediate things. You can substitute anything for thief. The things you do to make you feel better comes only to steal and kill and destroy because all of these things I've mentioned will eventually suck you dry. They will steal your life. So Jesus says, those, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Notice Jesus doesn't say, I came only to give you salvation so you can live with me forever. Is that what it says? I have come that you might have what? Life. Are you alive right now? Are you living? Are you breathing? Jesus came so that this breath that you are taking right now, the life that you live, the family that you're in, the school that you're in, the job that you're in, everything that you do, God came that you might be able to experience all of those things in abundance. To have abundant life is like saying to have more life. To have more life is to be fully and truly alive. And to be truly and fully alive is to really tap into the essence of who God is. Revival is a reminder of what's been true for thousands of years. The story in Ezekiel ends. Well, it doesn't end. That's part two. Because it says that these bones have come together, but they're still not alive. This evening at 5 o'clock, I want to invite you 
um, if you don't have previous engagements, to show up here because we're going to close up our revival tonight at 5 o'clock. But it's going to be a little bit different than we're used to. There's not going to be all this awesome music tonight because tonight for revival, we're stripping everything away and we're going to commune in the presence of God. I invite you to come back to finish the story. Somebody said to me, I liked your sermon last night. I'm sure today's is going to be good, but I'm still waiting for the ending. Spirituality takes work. A relationship with Christ takes work. It's intentional. Every relationship takes work. So we invite you to come back tonight because we believe it's important for us to finish the story. It's not just a picture of doom and gloom. It's a picture that though it's Friday, Sunday is coming. But before that, so our words won't be empty, and I'll talk about this again in a few minutes. Revival isn't just about hearing funny stories and looking at slides, but it's also about what the Spirit of God is doing in us and through us. And so one of the new things that has kind of arisen from our prayer as elders, from our prayer as prayer warriors, one of the things that has arisen is that we don't want to just preach and feel good, but we also want to do something with what we learn. And so this afternoon, you've been hearing about this right after church. In the youth room, we're going to be making sandwiches and putting together lunches for, for homeless people. Uh, because we believe that if the Word of God doesn't move us to actually do something to serve others, then we're, we're not really reading it correctly. And so in a few moments, when before we, we bring everything to a close, we're going to ask Bob to come up and share kind of the burden that God has placed on his heart and, and just Kurt Abbey and all these people who are working together because we believe that if God jumpstarts our faith, it has to, by the very nature of that, pour into the lives of other people. The Holy Spirit is moving in this church in a mighty and in a powerful way. We want to invite you to be a part of what God is doing here. Will you pray with me? God, we, uh, we want to live into your narrative we want to choose always the very best and not just settle for good. And so, Lord, now we pray that as we sing the final songs and as we pray, and even as we give back to you, that you would fill this place continually. I mean, it's full, but send a double portion of your spirit that you would make us feel your presence in a powerful way and that what we've learned here today would be cemented in our hearts and in our minds. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.